1: Hour number two of the get right. We're Reggie KG on 105.3 The Fan. What did we learn from the NFC East this offseason? We'll have that discussion here on your home with the Cowboys and Texas Rangers 105.3 The Fan. Appreciate you joining us on Odyssey and the Odyssey app, the thetruckrate.com, text line 877-881-1053, 877-881-1053 if you want to get in on the conversation. At Kevin Gray Sports, at Reg, at Atula. I had mm-hmm. to hold myself together because I got distracted for a hot second because they were showing Celebrity Row at Madison Square Garden. Oh, that's a lot of people there, ain't it? Yeah, Chris Rock was there. You know, John McEnroe
0: was there. Oh, McEnroe always at those games, isn't he? Then Sierra popped up on the screen. Oh, that's, that's your one. Yeah, I had to. Wait a minute. Wasn't Russell Wilson at the D- Denver game last night?
1: Oh yeah, with Sean Payton and company, yeah, and weren't they, you know, chilling in court? Well, side? I guess
0: you didn't say Russ was there. You said Sierra was there. Yeah, Sierra so she was might. There. She might be in New York. Okay. Yeah. Because I was like, did they fly out? I mean, they, I mean, they could. They could. Yeah, like, I mean,
1: they got it like that. So you know, they wanted to take a red eye from. Sorry,
0: my poor brain was just like they were in two <laughs> cities on that? separate <laughs> nights. How does that work?
1: How does that travel work?
0: Yeah, it's called a
1: a plane these days. But uh, yeah,
0: haven't been in one of those in a while.
1: Have you really? Not have you? It was a joke. Don't oh. Worry.
0: Right. oh, I was about to say, you, do we need the chat? We need to get you I, will, I will be on a plane in less than a month. Don't worry about oh, me, Oh, that's right.
2: Don't worry that's about
1: that's me, right. buddy. That's right. Vacation on the way from my man, Red. Yeah, my pocket's already hurting. <laughs> but you're going to have a good time, though. That's right. That's I all better. that matters. You're going to have a good time. I'm better for the cost. That's all that matters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. By the way, the Knicks are having a good time at the uh, Madison Square Garden right that's now. That's what we call a segue. Yeah, because they're up 70-54 right now on the Miami Heat in game number five of their series as the Knicks look to stave off elimination.
0: Stave. They will not go quietly into that good night.
1: To extend their series against the Miami Heat. But let's have a little NFL conversation here on your home of the Dallas Cowboys. Shout out to the Cowboys. Rookie minicamp going to be starting on
0: Friday. About time. We already have rookie minicamps that have concluded around the NFL. Let's go. That's
1: true. That's true. We'll get our first look at Mozzie Smith. In a Dallas Cowboys uniform, albeit in jersey and shorts uh, this week. But at the same time, going to be interesting to see the big man
0: out there. You know who he's going to look like? What's that? Big. Big. Good call. I I was actually listening to an interesting— I think it might have been Dominique Foxworth at ESPN that was making this point. It's a really good one, though. Um, The learning curve for defensive tackle in the NFL is very small, right? Because, like, there's not much that, like, a defensive philosophy or, like— a defensive scheme. It's there's not much that's going to change for the defensive tackle, right? Interior defensive lineman. Are you big? Can you can you uh, muscle uh muscle that dude across from you? That's basically what it's going to come down to. Of course, like the addition of trying to like work on pass rush is going to be important, particularly to Mozzie, um, and just as he develops maybe throughout the season and also throughout his career. But are you big and are you strong, right? Like that's it's not going to be like hey, can you stunt or like can you cover? We're not doing all that other stuff. So like. The idea of is he going to be a good pick for you? Like I feel like the bus potential is incredibly low here, incredibly low. Is he just is he going to show up and be big? Cool, yeah, it worked out.
1: And we'll get to see him on Friday as the Cowboys open up rookie minicamp. What did we learn about the NFC East this off season? This coming from the Ringer, um, several statements about these teams that I found very interesting. We'll start. We'll get to the Cowboys here momentarily. But let's start with the other teams in the NFC East before we get there. And we'll start, speaking of New York, we'll start with the Giants because the statement that's made by the ringer here is they're taking a gamble on Daniel Jones's upside. Now remember this is a, t- a team that gave Mr. Jones a four year one hundred sixty million dollar contract, wherever have you heard that contract number before, Dak Prescott, uh, with eighty two million dollars fully guaranteed. They are taking a gamble on Daniel Jones because I don't know if that is the move that they needed to make. The franchise tag would have made sense for him, I think, but they decided to go ahead and go all in on Daniel Jones to the tune of $40 million. And remember, the last three seasons, Daniel Jones has played in more games than he has Touchdown passes.
0: Yeah, and this is the tough part about it, in right? each of the last three seasons. Sorry, I didn't mean to step on you. No, end. you're right. You're, you're, good. you're good. You did a great job. Um, betting on Daniel Jones to be sufficient is one thing. Betting on Daniel Jones' upside isn't entirely different. Like, I don't know where, what the upside is that you're anticipating. The You know, the idea that he has that mobility. Yeah, he can run the ball a little bit. Was is something that we've always yeah. known about him. And the idea of bringing in your man's from uh, Buffalo to be the head coach, right? And the idea that he worked with Josh Allen in that progression and maybe you saw his capabilities in the progression with Daniel Jones is another thing as well. Uh, Daniel Jones doesn't have the raw abilities that Josh Allen does. Daniel Jones did not have the upside that was projected or that was hidden within the terrible accuracy of Josh Allen. The upside on that does not seem particularly high. And then also, I don't know what level of unlocking needs to be done for him to be. All of that incredible. So I, I'm wondering, like, what is the upside that you are anticipating or that you're expecting from him? Because I think that you can get out of him solid play, but I don't think that you get that you will be able to find. You'll go mining in Daniel Jones and find an elite quarterback that will, you know, like that you will give you a whole bunch. I think you you might be able to just continue to eke out solid play, and so that type of contract that they signed him for. And the idea here that the ringer puts forward for us is that they are gambling on upside. And I simply don't think that that's a possibility to be found there.
1: You're hoping that Dable maximizes whatever Daniel Jones is. And he was discernibly better last year. And I think for Giants fans and for those who support that team, seeing that Jones actually got better with better coaching, I think gives them maybe some hope that as Dable continues to work with him, the upside will continue to be brought out by him because of the work that he has already done and the improvement that he, they have already seen from him. But it's going to be up to him to continue to keep the turnovers down, continue to increase the upside when it comes to his ability to throw touchdowns for this team. Yeah, And if he can, they may have something there, but committing $40 million per season to Daniel Jones after what was, yes, improvement, but still not to the degree that you would think someone who's getting paid that kind of money uh, should be getting based on the production of the player. A more power to them. And more power to them. We'll let them find out how much it was worth it to them. Speaking of worth it, the Philadelphia Eagles said, well, Jalen Hurts is worth it to us because they gave him a five-year, $255 million contract, making a huge commitment to him, and that is what we learned from the Eagles. They believe fully in the Jalen Hurts experience. They surrounded him with talent to get him to this spot. He was able to help them get to the Super Bowl, and now they are going to make that commitment to him for the foreseeable future and see if he can continue to keep this team at the forefront of the NFC and beyond for the next several
0: years. Yeah, see, the thing with Jalen Hurts is, like, the development's already happened. Yes. We looked at him, and I will, again, evoke uh, the name of Josh Allen and the idea of, oh, man, can a player get better and where I typically say no, particularly when we talk about accuracy, it's kind of been a truism in football. It's like accuracy is something that you can't really fix. Josh Allen said, "Ha shove that! You know, take that, put a shove it in your pipe and smoke it." And J- Jalen Hurts came around and did that. And that, sorry, some of that is just like the diligent worker that he is, the you know, the coach's kid that he is, and and he's already had that development, right? Um, they're gambling, or not even gambling. They're you know, the ideas. The mobility remains there, the ability to be like a a leader guy and the worker that he is, you continue to, you know, that's a good bet. And then also, like, he was incredible throwing deep balls last year. And once you see that happen with the talent that they've surrounded him with, you know, obviously we can talk about the Giants and the way that they're viewing about the way that they need to surround Daniel Jones around with talent. The Eagles have already surrounded Jalen Hurts with talent. And with that talent, you've seen that he's capable of, you know, facilitating through that. So do you need him to be an incredible quarterback? I don't know. Is he capable of being quarterback, incredible quarterback? I'm not even certain. But what he is capable of doing seems to be worthwhile to what you're trying to do. So go ahead and lock him up. Like That's the way that this NFL thing goes. If you get a quarterback that is capable of doing what you believe is necessary, you lock him up, and that's what they did with Jalen Hurts. Another thing that I think we also learned is that they are not going to forget what uh, the building blocks of this are because they have managed and they have maintained the idea that they're going to keep but uh, keep investing in the line. That's right. Offensive and defense.
1: Yes, both sides. So, like,
0: the Jalen Hurts thing is one thing. They're also making sure, like, hey, man, those pushes, right? It's not just because Jalen Hurts squats 400 pounds, which you heard on every NFL broadcast. It's because they got <laughs> big boys up front that are moving that pile. And the, and Howard Roseman and them were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jalen Hurts is going to keep squatting 400, but we're also going to make sure that we have guys that are agile and strong in front of them doing that as well.
1: For Washington, their ownership nightmare is close to being over. Enough said there. Because Daniel Snyder, it finally looks like it's about to be out the paint in the greater DMV area, which I'm sure for Commanders fans, oh, happy day for them and their franchise and their fan base, which gets us to the Dallas Cowboys Mm -hmm. and what we learned from them this offseason, which I found this statement to be very interesting. Yes. They overreacted to their playoff loss. Now, remember, the Cowboys went 12-5. and five. They've won 24 games over the last two, se- two seasons, plus 125-point differential, was third in the NFC just behind the Eagles and the 49ers. And, of course, they went out and got Brandon Cooks, got Stephon Gilmore on the other side on defense. But them overreacting to the playoff loss, I'm sure if you were to talk to the Cowboys organization themselves, they would say, actually, no, we're reacting properly based on what has happened to us the last couple of years, mm-hmm. which is we lost to a more physical football team in the San Francisco 49ers. And we've been trying to get tougher, more physical, mentally and physically with the moves that we have attempted to make while also improving the talent on both sides of the ball for Dak Prescott, another receiver for Dan Quinn, a veteran corner to help out Trayvon Diggs on the opposite side. I thought the Cowboys reacted properly based off of their needs that they needed to address and how they were able to address them. On the cheap, the way that they got Cooks and Stephon Gilmore,
0: namely. Well, it's funny because I thought, and Shields Capaldia, who does great work for the mm-hmm. Ringer in writing this piece, um, I thought that when I read the you know the sub headline and they overreacted to their playoff loss that this was going to be directed at the drafting of Mozzie Smith as you know a defensive tackle in the first round, which I know a lot of people had some like you know some questions about it, like is that the appropriate value, those types of things, right? We don't have to relitigate that. What it seems like Shields is pointing pointing to is actually the decision to move on for Kellen Moore. And then th- this is where we get into the conversation of the statistical portions of this and the things that are not quite quantifiable, like the, I guess, narrative portions of this that we've had a lot of conversations about around here. Mm-hmm. And the statistical parts of this are outside of when, you know, Dak is not there. Um, you look at the statistical ways that this offense performed and it was really, really good. And so the idea that, You know, turnovers being an issue, not all those were on your quarterback, and it was, like, really, you know, almost anomalous the way that the level of, not even almost, it was anomalous, the level of turnovers for Dak Prescott in particular. Um, The idea for Shield here is just, well, you just keep going. Like, you had a great offense statistically. This was a bump in the road. Don't overreact. Come back and get stronger. And I think us locally, you can understand the logic on that while also probably disagreeing and saying, There was underlying questions that we had about Kellen Mm -hmm. Moore from the jump that weren't necessarily answered. And because football is such a small sample size type situation, I understand making decisions with larger data sets is the technically smarter thing to do, but you need to have situational, you know, situational awareness. You need to be good in certain situations outside of just the larger data set. And it felt like Kellen Moore in the situations where you needed the offense and everything to be, perfect or be good
1: particularly in the playoffs against San Francisco the last two years it didn't
0: hold up and so it's one of those things where I don't think anybody is like technically incorrect but I do think that there's missing some context with that analysis when we're just talking about this from a t- statistical perspective compared to what you have overall and then you start adding like the additional narrative layer of I think a lot of people look at Mike McCarthy as, hey dog it's time to save your job and if you add that level of it when, you, when it's time to save your job, all hands on deck, particularly my hands, because I want to be able to know and control my destiny. So I think that's some of the, the portions that add into this. So if you want to call that an overreaction, I think that you, it's, it's within your right to do that. But it, it did, it, I think there's some logic that might be being undercut here when we say that they overreacted to their playoff loss.
1: Um, from the 8 every time KG talks with belief in Dak Prescott, it makes me want to sing the no, Mo- no Role Models chorus. He doesn't want to be saved. Well, you're going to have to tell that to a lot of people because there's a lot of people who still believe in four and his ability to lead this football team. So I get the criticisms of Dak Prescott. I understand why the criticisms were leveled against him, and he cannot turn the football over the way that he did. But to Reggie's point, statistical anomaly will happen this past year in the way some of those interceptions happen. I tend to think the Dak Prescott that we have seen prior to last year I think we'll come back and be able to help this football team given what he has around him. But the NFC East is going to be tough with Jalen Hurts and company at the top of the division going into this upcoming season. It's the Get Right. We're Reggie KG right here on 105 Three of the Fan. Coming up next, let's talk a little NBA playoffs. We do that with the, athletic, the Athletics, Tyler Batiste, next on the Get Right.
0: The upcoming segment of The Fan is brought to you by Franklin & Frankel. Life is unpredictable. Accidents happen. Frankel & Frankel are the go-to attorneys for car and truck wrecks in DFW.
2: If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, contact Frankel & Frankel for a free consultation at truckwreck.com or call 214 or 817 3333
1: It's the Get Right with Reggie KG on 105.3 The Fan. Going to talk a little NBA here with Tyler Batiste here in just a moment on the Diamond Factory Hotline. You can find us on Twitter at Sports at Reg Atatula. Really appreciate you joining us on this hump night edition, RJ Choppy, of the Get Right Mm -hmm. on your home of the Cowboys and Texas Rangers. One hundred and five through the fans. Shout out to the good guys who got the win today, taking two three from the Seattle Mariners as they continue their road trip.
0: First place, baby.
1: Uh, that's right. As they continue the road trip, when they take on the Oakland Athletics, who apparently struck a deal in Vegas and they're going to be building a um a thirty thousand seat stadium that will cost one and a half billion. I feel like you got to get more bang for your buck if you're going to be building a $1.5 billion stadium that only houses 30,000 fans.
0: Dog, it's going to be on the strip. What more do you, like, <laughs> that's going to cost some money, man. Just, that's they're tearing, a bad location. They're, they're tearing down one of them, uh, one of them buildings. Like, not yeah, a, one, one of them high hotels, roller yeah. hotels, but, yeah. Or at least that's the plan. We'll see if yeah. any litigation or, you know, municipality-type stuff gets in the way. Let's go to the Diamond
1: Factory Hotline where we welcome in the NBA managing editor for The Athletic. Louisiana native, proud Mm. LSU Tiger, Tyler Batiste joining us here on the Get Right. Tyler, do you agree that you have to get more bang for your buck if you're gonna build a one point five billion dollar stadium? It has to have more than thirty thousand seats in it, right?
2: Yeah, probably, but I, I need to see what the what the what the setup is. Like if it's in a nice spot, there's probably gonna be some nightclubs attached to it. Um you know, you're probably gonna charge fifty dollars for drinks, so you're probably you're probably, you're probably making up uh, for the fact that you might have twenty twenty five thousand less people than a normal a normal uh, a normal stadium. So we'll see what happens. Like you said, it's probably going to be some legal stuff to go on before it even happens.
0: Right, and you got to remember, like, the A's not used to people showing up. So, you know, they <laughs> probably like, don't right.
1: even – Set the expectations properly, it sounds like. Maybe that's what they it is. They
0: don't even know how many people typically come to a baseball game. <laughs>
1: um, yeah,
2: they, it sounds like they're kind of overcorrecting because that stadium in Oakland is 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 huge and it's never filled. So, I guess they're kind of – you know uh, overcorrecting to the other side of things and maybe they'll expand and add another 10,000 or something if uh you know when we get to 20, 20 2035 or something like that <laughs>
0: that's right uh mr batiste so i got a little bit of insider information uh that you had to step away from a table in order to contact us um and there was an interesting <laughs> conversation happening can you fill us in as much as you can on uh broadcast radio what was the conversation happening before you came to join us on this fine program
2: I'm going to plead the fifth on that. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to let you uh, report back to your sources and uh, and let them fill you in on it. And, and then if, I don't want to get you guys in trouble, right? So mm. I don't want to uh, say too much about what's going on. It was about, let's say, uh, childhood memories that um, guys might have had. Put it that way. Okay. I'll keep it vague, uh, and you guys can report. Report back on that. That might be for the 10 p.m. hour. I'm not going to get into that right now.
1: Also, <laughs> oh, we're going to call you back an hour and a half is what you're saying. Don't yeah, do that Yeah, yeah, hit
2: me up. I'll be, I'll be around, yeah.
1: Okay, all right.
0: Sound like y'all having too much fun. You'll you, 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 be in an altered state probably. So.
2: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, man, I'm good, man. I, I, I'm good. I wanted to talk to you guys. I'm, uh, I'm a little sore from, uh, from a recent move, so I'm not, I'm not doing too much partying. But that conversation was a little much for me. I'm glad to step out.
1: Uh, speaking of altered state, what the hell is happening in San Francisco with the Warriors right now? They're down three games to one going into game five tonight. Jordan Poole can't find his game because he lost it to the Monstars at this point. And Stephen Curry, despite the massive triple double that he had, uh, got locked down by AD in the final seconds. What, what's going on in San Francisco?
2: I mean, honestly, man, I think what's going on in San Francisco is is just kind of what's happening in Los Angeles. I mean, a lot of people were, were surprised. I think people predicted the Lakers um, to, to beat the Grizzlies, but Maybe we're surprised that, you know, they got it done as, as quickly and as dominantly as they did. Man, the Lakers were the best team in the NBA after the trade deadline. They, after they made those trades revamped their roster with Jared Vanderbilt and D'Angelo Russell, they, you know, this isn't anything new for them. So I don't think it's as much about what's wrong with the Warriors as much as it's about, okay, maybe this Lakers team that we saw in March and April, when Anthony Davis is healthy, when LeBron James is healthy, is what we're seeing, which is, you know, potentially – Uh, the best team in the West. We'll see what happens in the next round should they advance, but it's going to be a really interesting off season with the Warriors. Obviously Jordan Poole has an extension that's going to kick in this off season. They've already extended Andrew Wiggins. Draymond green has a player option. That seems like something that he might opt out of um, because of, you know, obviously the preseason situation that's happened there, but maybe, it is something that he opts into, and then that's a whole other set of issues because of the new CBA that's going to kick in, that's going to limit the Warriors and how they can build out the rest of their roster. So um, it's been a pretty uh, significant dynasty over the past decade, but it could be coming to an end as soon as tonight.
0: Uh, Tyler, you are the managing editor at The Athletic for NBA, and John Hollinger at The, uh, the Athletic made a, a wrote rather a very interesting piece about how shooting guard trades um, yep. this year have made an impact with these teams that remain in the playoffs. Just how, how impactful have the shooting guards or guards in general that have been traded around been for these teams this year?
2: I mean, extremely. I think, I think the, 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 the jumping off point of that column that he wrote that published today was, was KCP and Contavious called Caldwell Pope over in, over in Denver. Um, as John wrote, a lot of people just kind of thought that move to, to, to get rid of Will Barton and bring in KCP was sort of a salary dump. They extended him not long after they actually brought him in. Um, KCP has been a beast defensively, uh, especially on the court, which is kind of where Denver has been, uh, you know, lacking a little bit over the past couple of years. Obviously, they can score with Jokic and Murray and Michael Porter Jr., but they needed sort of that lockdown defensive wing who could, you know, is quick enough to guard guards and is uh, uh, tall enough and has a little bit of size to guard some forwards. I think with KCP um, in particular, the the biggest Attribute that he brings to Denver is is that championship experience. He's the only guy on the roster, if I'm not mistaken, who has a ring. Now, granted, he did win Mm. a ring in the bubble with the Lakers in 2020. So it's not a little bit different than any other championship that anybody else has won in league history, but he's done it. He's been to the mountaintop. He knows what it takes to play with LeBron and Anthony Davis and to get to where you need to be in the NBA. So that experience just in the locker room is is something that you you really can't quantify. You can't put a number on that in terms of points and rebounds and whatnot. And then you look around the, the rest of the league, um, as, as John wrote, Anthony Melton in and, 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 and Philadelphia, D'Angelo Russell, who's not really a point guard. I'm sorry, he's not really a shooting guard, but he's a scoring point guard, and he plays off the ball so much when LeBron and Austin Reeves and those guys are, are handling it. He can be streaky. Um, he's been streaking in the right way more than the wrong way recently, and it's really helped the Lakers, as we talked about earlier, um, just kind of, be among the best teams in basketball over the past few weeks, few months, I should say.
1: The NBA managing editor for The Athletic, Tyler Batiste, joining us here on the Get Right of G here on 105 through the fan talking NBA playoffs. Speaking of guards, um, Chris Paul going to remain out for the Phoenix Suns as they get ready to take on the Denver Nuggets to avoid elimination. And now DeAndre Ayton has popped up on the injury report. He's questionable with a rib contusion uh going into game number six. Um, I mean, Devin Booker and Kevin Durant have been obviously incredible for Phoenix, but really outside of those two, who needs to step up to try and help this team avoid elimination against Denver uh in game six?
2: Man, that's a that's a that's a good question. I mean campaign has been starting in place of Chris Paul. I think we saw flashes of TJ Warren uh be effective recently um coming off the bench. TJ Warren obviously had a foot injury that kept him out for a couple of seasons. But those last two years that he was in Indiana, I mean, he was you know, close to a 20-point-per-game scorer. He's got the capability to go off when needed. Um, is he going to be able to do it at a consistent basis over the next you know couple games to kind of save Phoenix's season? That's going to be tough to tell. If he had that capability or if another team thought he had that capability, he would be probably be starting somewhere right now. So you, you're kind of skeptical about it. But he's the guy who I look at their team can really – you know, go off for 2025 20, if they it to kind of give some alleviate some of the pressure um, from from Booker and KD. I think what's going to be interesting to watch is is, is without DeAndre Ayton, the the Phoenix uh, Suns don't really have a a rim protector um, that they're playing. Uh, Jock Landau has been playing a little bit, but he's not really you know uh, an intimidating shot blocker. He's kind of uh, you know taken over for Bismack Biyombo in the middle. Is Denver going to kind of try to? Uh, Take advantage of that by maybe going to the rim more with with Michael Porter and Jamal Murray, and just kind of attacking from the from from inside out to try to put this series away. I think that's going to be an interesting thing to watch, but it's going to be tough for Phoenix to win two games for sure.
0: Now, speaking of you know teams that are doing pretty well, the Sixers I think are in a very interesting place as they are up three two on the number two Celtics in the East, right. um, and it feels like this team has gotten obviously great player from Joel Embiid, the MVP. Um, in the playoffs, James Harden has been, you know, a revelation in most of these games. And it feels like in that last game against the Celtics, Doc Rivers, a head coach that I think has, you know, is is kind of polarizing in some ways, seemed to lay out a really, really good game plan that had the Celtics on their heels. How much belief do you have in the 76ers to be a team that can actually do this all for real, for real?
2: I have some belief because I think they've shown uh – like like last night's game was was the biggest one of those season that they didn't they didn't lay an egg right they all, everybody showed up the MVP showed up Embiid showed up you know uh, guys off the bench played well um, that was a game that I think this iteration of the Sixers team in recent years um, whether it be with Ben Simmons or without Ben Simmons those are the types of games that you just kind of expect them to almost get blown out in or at least to kind of squeak by in and, and it really wasn't in doubt for a lot of that game. um um um, last night i think people kind of forget that doc rivers for all of the the flack that he gets he's won a championship he's been to nba finals he's been around this league for a long time he's played in this league a long time he's seen a lot of things and the coach on the other sideline joe mazula this is his first year um that experience there's something to be said for that especially when you get at this point in the playoffs but the other thing to remember is that last year um if you recall boston also lost game five uh uh, to Milwaukee and they ended up winning game six on the road one game seven at home and then of course obviously went on to the NBA finals so they still got Tatum they still got Brown they still got um, you know the core of that team so this is not going to be a cakewalk for, for Philadelphia tomorrow night
1: Tyler before we let you get out of here on this Wednesday night uh, hottest take left in these NBA playoffs that you want to get off before we let you go
2: oh man oh you put me on the spot here huh mm-hmm uh, uh, I think a lot of people – I've seen a lot of talk about, say, Gildas Alexander being on the NBA first team over Donovan Mitchell, and I'm going to go ahead and say that that's the right call. He should be on the NBA first team, uh, all-NBA first team uh, this year. Uh, the playoffs are uh, – I don't think it matters that players didn't make the playoffs when you're voting for those teams. So I'm I'm good with the uh, SGA-Luca backcourt that it seems like a lot of people are not okay with, but, you know, we'll see. All
0: right, let me let me actually double that up because – with that, you know, obviously those guys, you have those guys in, but we understand right. that with all NBA, we're soon moving to a place where we will not have to be, you know, focusing on positions and we can go positionless on all NBA. So obviously Nikola Jokic not making the first team feels insane. Right. Put him on the first team. Who are you taking out to make room for Nikola Jokic? <laughs> uh, probably
2: SGA. <laughs> uh, no, dis- no disrespect to SGA, but uh, the game is the game. And, uh, this is 2023. It's not 2024. So uh, the, the, the positions are where they are now, and um, I, I think you, you, you probably take him off, and you could probably look back the past couple of years when I think Jokic made first team and Embiid yep. didn't, um, and probably take off some other some other players as well. So I think it's a good change to just kind of have the best five players um, on those first, second, and third teams. The game is positionless now. You watch how teams play. A lot of it is positionless. It should those All NBA teams should reflect that for sure.
1: All right, because you're a pro wrestling fan, all right, and we all are right. kindred Spir- spirits hey, in that way. That,
2: what was that? All right, man, get out of here. Mute,
1: don't don't mind Reg. Don't don't mind Reg. Don't worry, my mic is muted. Yeah, don't don't mind Reg. Seth Rollins has to win the World Heavyweight Championship at Night of Champions. Yes or no?
2: No. No. Think, oh my. I think, I think it's so obvious that he's going, quote unquote, going to win. That I think the swerve would be interesting to kind of have him somehow not win and then have that culminated at SummerSlam or Money in the Bank or something oh, I don't know wow. who the other person is I don't know who the other person is to have to, to beat him you know who kind of the big bad guy is going to be I feel like AJ Styles getting the push fight.
1: right now AJ Styles maybe
2: yeah I mean maybe AJ Styles I think if you if that happened, you may have to you maybe have to turn him heel a little bit to kind of get that mean streak out of it but I think I think what it's setting up for, again, it's so obvious that Seth is going to win, almost like WrestleMania, where it seems so obvious that Cody was going to win. I think the play is to have something happen, and then, you know, we get through June and July with Seth chasing whoever it is for that belt, and then we get that big moment at SummerSlam.
1: Okay. All right. Well, you heard it there first. Seth Rollins not going to win the World Heavyweight Championship.
2: No offense, Seth. I'm sorry. Seth
0: Seth is a known
2: Get Right listener. That's right. That's right.
1: That's right. You can find Tyler on Twitter at Ty Batiste. He is the NBA managing editor for The Athletic, covering all things for the NBA. Tyler, as always, appreciate the time, sir.
2: Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. I'll
0: catch up with you soon. We'll be at one of those tables.
1: (laughs) Yes, sir. (laughs) There he goes. Tyler Batiste is good enough to join us here on the Get Right. Coming up next, we stick with the NBA conversation as the Miami Heat have made it a game oh, here in we go. New York. They about to get Jimmy Butler. <laughs> uh, Jimmy Butler, by the way, leading the Miami Heat in points, rebounds, and assists get tonight. Get out of here. Why is he like this? Because he's himothy. Um, speaking of himothy, if the Mavericks were presented with this scenario on Tuesday, what would you do? That scenario we discuss next on The Get Right. Back here on the get right, we're Reggie KG on 1053 of the fan. If the Mavericks are presented with this scenario on Tuesday, what would you do if you're an MFFL? Kevin Gray, Reginald Atatula, Regal Mendelza holding it down for you. Really appreciate you joining us on Odyssey and the Odyssey app. Also on the truckbreak.com text line 877-881-1053. Also back on Twitch, twitch.tv slash DallasFanCamp and live on YouTube. As well. Subscribe to the 105 Through the Fan YouTube page to check out all of our terrific content there and reward Carter for all his hard work. Even when he's off work. Even when he's off
0: work. Mm-hmm.
1: The Miami Heat have made it a game in New York right Stupid now. TV's
0: on my side not working. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I gotta look at a reflection of the game.
1: <laughs> uh Jimmy Butler is trying to put the Heat on his back once again. Again. As the Knicks though are up by seven ninety eight ninety one with five seventeen left in the fourth quarter.
0: That's like five minutes. They can
1: stave. I mean, the way that Miami's putting it together right now.
0: <laughs> I mean, they got it down to four they, at a point. Yeah,
1: and I, I don't. If I'm a Knicks fan, it's it, I'm feeling real tight right now. Oh about yeah, it's now.
0: definitely a whole bunch of lemon booty in the yeah, Madison Square oh right now. Oh boy, yeah,
1: because Jimmy Butler and company are coming to try and get this thing done and not have it come back to Miami. Uh, we'll let you know how things end as we get you ready for the Lakers and the Warriors. They'll tip off once the Knicks and the Heat conclude their game. But for Mavericks fans, Tuesday nights is the night for them. That's the playoffs for your Mavs. Oh, boy. Playoffs, you know, everything, because we will find out if the Mavericks are able to keep the number 10 or better pick in this year's NBA draft. Because if they don't, it's going to Jalen Brunson and the New York Knicks, which would, though, unlock the 2025 and 2027 first-round picks if you are of that mindset to say, let's finally get the last remnant of the Christoph Porzingis trade over with. Move the pick on and let's unlock.
0: Some picks that you can now move and deal with.
1: Yes. Um... But, booty, if the Mavericks do keep that pick, mm-hmm. and let's say, as we have this conversation here hypothetical, 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 the prize in this year's NBA draft is Victor Wimbenyama. Yes, generational prospect. Wimby, as he's affectionately known these days. Big, big. And the consensus
0: is Wimbenyama and the other two Scoot and Brandon Miller. Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller. Are your top three players? That's right. In that order. Okay. Wemby, Scoot, Brandon Miller.
1: Now, historical context here, the Mavericks have never, ever moved
0: up in the NBA draft lottery. Oh, for 16. Never done it. Oh, and just so people understand what we're talking about here. With the draft lottery, depending on how you finish, you get like very you get particular odds. On, you know, once we get into the lottery, where you know what your odds are to move up and to get the first pick or just to move up in general, correct. And there was a point in time where the worst team got the best odds, but now the three or four worst teams have the same odds, and then beyond that, your odds narrow. Now, you know, they go and they draw, and then with those odds, you know, then they determine who gets certain spots. And Mm -hmm. we've seen teams. You know, move up, you know, where they from where they would be slotted normally if you just had a reverse uh standings order draft. And the Mavericks have never been one of those teams. No, they have not.
1: So there's a great chance that Wimbayama ends up in Texas.
0: Between the Houston, Rockets or the Spurs. San Antonio. Sure. Two of the worst teams last year. That's right. Intentionally so.
1: But let's say that the basketball gods smile on Dirk's Mavericks and they go not just move up in the draft, move all the way up. They go all the way to the
0: East side to number 1. Which would mean Wemby, Luka championship. Thanks. That's all I need to hear. Or or Wemby Kyrie championship. I don't understand what you're getting at. Or if you're Mark Cuban,
1: Nico Harrison, Andrew Baker, Michael Finley in this front office, conventional wisdom says, "Yeah, take Victor Wembanyama yes. with the number 1 overall
0: pick." You of course keep it the does. A generational prospect.
1: But what if Okay. That front office says, "Hey, we know what the prize is in this year's NBA draft." How much of the 29 NBA teams are you willing to give up to go get the combination of Kevin Durant, Giannis, and LeBron James, and have him for the next 15 years? How much are you willing to give up to go get Victor Wimbenyama? This- would you? Would you listen? Would you do? Would you dangle Victor in front of the rest of the NBA and
0: say how much you want? How badly do y'all want to get Victor? Me personally, mm-hmm. me personally, the only thing I dangle, I can't say on the air. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but I understand your idea because this is the thing we've seen in the NBA: the idea of trading for something that is either a known commodity, commodity, or like a damn near known commodity has gone up. We saw Rudy Gobert command four first-round picks. We saw Kevin Durant command four first round picks in addition to like other stuff in both of those situations. And so I know that with Victor Wimbenyama is Wimbiana is not a guy who has played in the NBA who is a known commodity in that way. However, he is quite literally the best product that or prospect that we've seen in a long time. I don't want to do LeBron.
1: I'm going to go since. Lebron. Okay. I was like, I didn't want to do the sense yeah, thing, but yeah, you since, got it since LeBron. Right.
0: Yeah. So with that being the case, there's a lot of teams that look at that as a sure thing and a somewhat known commodity. So can you get, can you extract two, three first round picks? And the reason why that is interesting, right? Cause that it it does in one way harken back to me you watch the Simpsons at all, or actually, this isn't even the Simpsons wrong show. Uh, This is actually family guy where they had Peter and one of them, uh, some, one of these offices. And he's like, Hey man, we, you can have a brand new boat or (laughs) this mystery box. And he's like, I think I'm gonna take the mystery box. And And Lois is like, Peter. There's a boat. He's like, but the mystery box can be anything, even a boat. Right? Like, that's what you're <laughs> doing with the first round picks. This first round picks can be anything, even when Binyama, but he's right there. Right? <laughs> but the thing about it is this team is so devoid of talent. We talked about it over and over uh-huh. that those first round picks that you could attract in addition to other things, you know, players, second round picks, so on and so forth, would be really useful in recouping, recouping talent to your organization. So from that perspective, I absolutely hear you. Except... All that logic be damned. Give me the player. Like, you just star caliber, superstar caliber players. The Mavericks has spent a decade yes. luring and trying. Like, when you when you have that phone to your lap, you take it. You just do.
1: Now, I, I'm on the side of, yeah, draft victor. Like, he y'all, y'all tell me he's the next. Well, actually, he's the first of his kind because apparently he's LeBron, KD, and Giannis. All combined into one with the handle of a point guard. To which I say,
0: "What the hell?" Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all funny from nine seventy two. Kid would have Wemby play off the bench for his lack of defense. Y'all are all hilarious. right, nine seventy two. Relax. Y'all are funny,
1: but it would be a fun conversation to just dangle him in re- in front of the rest of the NBA. Because here's at minimum, yeah, at minimum, if I'm going to trade the rights. To Victor Wimbanyama, I need, at minimum, your best player, if not both, two your two best players and three first-rounders. At minimum. If you tell me that he's the first of his, what is supposed to be the next generation of baller, and Victor Wimbanyama, I need your two best players and three first-rounders, at minimum, if that's what you want. Maybe we can have a conversation. But I, I would probably draft Victor in this scenario but it would be it would be fun um but it gets me to my other you know whole thing with this draft I'm not gonna lie to you Reg if the Mavericks find themselves in the top three and it's
0: not one you thinking about still taking that pick is that what you're about to tell me yeah because Scoot Henderson I don't know Victor Wimbanyama himself said if I was not in this draft he would be first overall pick, which one is also one of the coldest things that I've heard, and two is absolutely <laughs> correct. Like he is a number one overall prospect type player, although he's at point guard, and that makes it. And a I don't bit need tough. one of those. And then Brandon Miller. That's it. That's it. You're interested in that guy.
1: That's. I mean, look, I, I understand the stuff at Alabama. I get it. But man, my man goes what six eight six nine, strong. Both ends of the floor can shoot. Yeah. Like I need I need that. Yeah. I need that on this team. If you find a way to get into a top three, you know, pick
0: and you have a chance to take Brandon Miller, I might keep that pick. F- and take Brandon Miller. F- wing forward type players is is something that you need. But I think the tough part about it is if you get that high, the value that you can extract. Especially if you're not getting Victor Wembanyama, then becomes huge. Yes, the first round one, maybe two, maybe some seconds. Like being able to recoup your talent or how your talent, your, your you can coffers. get a haul for him for that pick. Yes, being able to refill your coffers is something that you really need because you've seen a constant asset drip for a long time with these Mavs. And the only way to get that back is either time or good fortune. And that good fortune is probably the draft lottery. And the only reason why I say this is because Brandon Miller's ready to ball. Yeah. Now.
1: Yeah. And if you're telling me I got Luca, Kyrie, a young Jaden Hardy, Josh Green, and Brandon Miller, those three on rookie contracts to go along with Kyrie and Luca. Now I can go get some big man help. Like I, I can work I-, I can work with that. I could work with that. So I don't know, man. But a little fun conversation as the, uh, yeah. the Mavericks.
0: There was more conversation there than I thought. I thought I was just going to be like, Wemby. <laughs> You're just ready to shut it down. <laughs> over. Let's go get drinks. Like I thought that was it.
1: <laughs> it's intriguing. We'll see how the, the draft gods fall for the Mavericks on Tuesday. Jimmy Bowler do it yet? He's getting close. Okay. He's getting close. Nick's trying to give it away. They are trying to give it away. It's the Get Right with Reggie KG right here on 105 Through the Fan coming up next here on the Get Right.
0: There's a lot of things happening in college sports, including, you know, a slur casually said on radio, not on our show, by the way, but also a lot of gambling. Let's try and decipher all of this next on 105 Through the Fan.
1: Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv.